Hello and welcome to Earth Calling. We're your hosts, Ed and Laszlo. Every week we bring you a fresh slice of online content, sorting through the likes, the memes, the insta-queens, the swipes, the scrolls, and the Twitter trolls. Together, we're laying down our 21st century digital legacy. So sit back, relax, and buckle in. This is Earth Calling. Hello and welcome back once more, Earth Callers, to another episode of Earth Calling. This week, we have decided to tackle one of the most trendy or kind of one of the hottest topics, let's oh, say. Okay. It, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a glass of water. My for <laughs> my forehead is swe- sweating. Yes. And uh, I think, look, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I'm going to need a lot of education today because the fact is that in this in this topic which is to do with blockchain cryptocurrencies and... <laughs> you can't even explain that you can't even explain oh, the title God, of the topic you're like so this bad. topic it sounds like a 13 year old trying to write an essay this topic which i will be discussing today includes as well as in crypto... chain up your chain up your blocks kids <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I... they're gonna get stolen yeah, yeah. I don't know much about this. Ed, I would like you to explain a bit about what this episode will involve. So we've had a few requests from you, our listeners, to go into blockchain and the wonderful world of crypto, which I find absolutely fascinating. And so we're going to don our spectacles and take a little deep dive into this weird and wacky world. Now, I will be assuming at least some level of base knowledge but given what laszlo's just said perhaps that is actually a reach because if laszlo host co-host of the tech podcast doesn't bloody know what he's talking about then i mean well sorry i I do want to say that obviously i've done research for this episode and i I therefore have got a a, a, let's say what you described as a what was it a base level of understanding understanding. ed's already sounding like a bloody university lecturer he's just kind of (laughs) he's got got a he's got a hall of 300 students he's kind of stood up and said Hello and welcome to the first lecture of a series on neuroscience and the connections formed in cognitive years uh, for uh, toddlers. Now, I will be assuming a base level of knowledge. And, and the, the, guy, the guy at the back is just like, I, what a I, think dick. I, I think I'm in the wrong lecture. So blockchains are essentially alternative ways of storing information across a what's called a distributed ledger. Now, what this basically means is that you can establish a single source of truth. And Laszlo, you're frowning, but just give me a minute. So historically, databases have been centralized. And what that means is if you imagine a long list of items that would be held by Laszlo, he'd own that database, it would be on a file on his computer. Now, what distributed ledgers or decentralized databases are, is it allows you to give everybody on the network a copy of that list. And what that means is that nobody has single control or ownership of that list. So the way that a blockchain works is you establish this single source of truth. It's essentially impossible to alter it because in order to update the chain, you need everybody on the network to validate it. Um, And so what this means is you can stop Um, a bad actor from corrupting the list of stuff that you're trying to maintain. And 
in the example of, let's say, Bitcoin, every time a transaction occurs, it's added to that long list of every transaction that's ever happened ever, which is maintained across a huge number of different computers who all collectively validate that transaction as happening. Now, you nodded along for some of that, I think. Is that... So, yeah, could, uh, let's maybe talk more in lemons and lemonade. What, what's, the, <laughs> what's, the, what, what's the long and short of it? If I've got a lemonade stand, what's going on there? So if you've got lemonade stand, no, no, I, I'm joking. I, I did understand. I did understand the principles, and I would, I, I would try to rephrase it in my own way as saying it's mm. basically some kind of form of democratic ownership, democratic Correct. digital ownership. So Correct. yeah, you, you have a, a strong faith in this product being owned by you, basically. Well, exactly, and all it does is provide a list that is not corruptible. Because if you have a database that's on your laptop, Laszlo, you can go and basically change it and say whatever you want it to say. There's no way of doing that if three million people all have a copy of that database and they all have to interact in order to update the database. Now, we won't go into validation mechanisms and cryptography and proof of work versus proof of stake and how the actual validation works and all that jargon because it's a bit complicated and boring. Well, not boring, fascinating, but complicated. But blockchain essentially has been a technology that's been around for decades, but actually came to the fore in the first instance with Bitcoin. And that's where it grew to international stardom. And to give a little bit of history of Bitcoin, it was invented in 2008 by an unknown person or in fact, group of people using the name. Do you know? Uh, hang on. It's Japanese. Uh, yep. like, um, su- su- something like that. Satoshi Nakamoto. Ah. Yes. Hey. <laughs> and so you, you can't see me, but I, I have my head in, in my hands <laughs> from, from Ed's so, interlude. Bitcoin is basically an application of blockchain technology whereby you have every transaction validated by all of the people on the network and it's a, a digital currency. It obviously rose uh, to prominence in 2012 and 2013 when its value skyrocketed. And I think there's, there's you know, been a huge amount of uptick in, in the Bitcoin price over the past year. But Bitcoin is really just one application of, of blockchain. And we can go into a huge amount more detail on Bitcoin in another episode, perhaps. But it's basically decentralized money. And it's amassed a huge amount of value over the years. I'm actually very optimistic about the future of Bitcoin. I think it's a really interesting store of value. Lots of people will be putting their heads in their hands and saying that I'm insane for saying that. But I think that if everybody can treat the value of gold as a store of value and says, okay, well, we believe that gold is worth this. And if people are willing to say that, oh, well, a one pound coin or a 10 pound note is worth that because everybody believes it's worth that because it's backed up by a central bank, um, then why can't you have the same with Bitcoin? And, you know, I'm in danger of going on. There's Ed bloody plugging away on his podcast to his audience just because he wants the value of Bitcoin to increase. I did actually buy some Bitcoin in 2013, which um, which was which was good. Only only 100 pounds. But it's now yeah worth a lot more than that. Um, I'm a a proud owner of uh, a limited uh, supply of Litecoin. Uh, oh ripple, god so you went ripple. into some of the more dodgy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's see some of the the not not so successful stories of the <laughs> cryptocurrency world i i do i am happy that i do have a bit of ethereum which has increased a bit nice but, um yeah i'm afraid I, I did not hop on as early as you onto the trend but so i'm i'm very optimistic about the future of, of bitcoin and we can perhaps go into it in more detail on another episode but 
the main purpose of this episode was to talk about something that has really entered the collective consciousness over the past three to four months. And that is something even more niche, which is the NFT. Um, do you know what NFT stands for, Laszlo? I do. I do. It's, uh, it stands for non-fungible token. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why, and, yeah. And what, 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 well, maybe I'll, I'll sort of try and explain what this means because fungible is a word that I myself was not uh, familiar with, but basically if something is fungible, it means that it can be swapped in and out. Right? So one Bitcoin is fungible because if I send you that Bitcoin, you can send me a Bitcoin with, you know, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, but it doesn't have to be the same Bitcoin. Whereas if something is non-fungible, that means it cannot be swapped in and out. So a limited edition Pokemon card, a shiny Charizard, for example, would be non-fungible because I can't just like swap that and it be the same as a different card. So what are NFTs? They are ways of rendering digital content unique and irreplaceable. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that tally yes. with you? Yeah. It, it tallies, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and I think that they're absolutely fascinating. So, for example, if you think about it, like anything in the digital world up until now is replicable, right? So you like a song, you can just make a copy of that song and send it to someone else. You like a video, uh, you can just download that video a million times, replicate it, send it around the world, pirate it, sell it, whatever you want. You like a beautiful podcast, you can, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's always been a problem in the, in the digital world. But what NFTs do, and we'll go into a bit more detail, is they allow people to ascribe uniqueness to digital content. Why was Mushroom the life of the party? Um, because he was a really fun guy. He was a fungible guy, yeah. Yeah, fun, <laughs> fun guy. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, that's my variation on a theme. Anyway, back to your <laughs> explanation. So I thought I'd just, you know, I've got a throw in some lighthearted moments in what is quite a dense explanation. It's a very good explanation, I just want to say. But the, the, the Earth Coolers really do expect these crappy jokes from my side. So Absolutely. <laughs> so the way that I've been thinking about them, though, because they've shot up in value hugely recently, is the following. If you think about the most expensive painting ever sold, right? Are you, and we're talking about in the real world, IRL, right? So what, what was the most expensive painting ever sold? Do you know? Um, that's a really interesting question. Is it a, is it a Picasso? No. Is it a Van Gogh? A Van Gogh. Van Gogh. In Von, fact, I think it's, it's Vincent Van Gogh. It is. It is. I was no. in fact with with some Dutch people last night, and they we yeah. talked about Van Gogh, and it is Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he okay, wouldn't no, have been able to listen to this podcast, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, he would have put one ear to the to the mic. <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the speaker i'm sure um, really enjoying the search calling but uh, i don't i don't enjoy the uh, the surround sound audio because uh, to be honest i uh, i can't really appreciate that but um that's oh, a well, fantastic I've got a nice, dutch accent that's i've got a, a nice i've got a nice vase of uh, flowers um here which yes, are, are keeping me entertained and yeah, I think these Earth Callers, they've got something going definitely for the podcast, but I don't really know. Wait, hang on. Look, no. I, I've not practiced my Dutch accent in quite a while. Oh, oh God, that was so a bit more sort of Danish something. I don't know. I don't know. And the other thing that they say in the Netherlands is, you know, the cheese that is spelt G-O-U-D-A. Do you know how that's pronounced? <laughs> well, now with the knowledge of Hoch, I'm going to say Gouda. 
Correct. Yeah. So everyone in America is like, oh my God, I love that Dutch cheese Gouda. It's actually pronounced Gouda. Um, yeah. Gouda, Gouda, they say that like that. Funnily enough, sorry, we, we really are digressing, but it's, it, I would be intrigued to have some feedback from our Dutch listeners because weirdly, so our Dutch listeners represent our fourth largest nationality. I think about 5% of our listeners come from the Netherlands. So shout out to our uh, Dutchies who are listening. Thanks so much, guys. Probably won't be listening after this uh, terrible accent. But, uh, I was about to say, it. a, it's not really a moment, Ed, that we take to say, oh, just shout out. Thanks so much. It's more a moment to say, I'm really sorry uh, for, for subjecting I'm pretty you so, to my I'm really accent. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I, lo- I love the Netherlands. I lived in Amsterdam for several months at one point, which was a lot of fun, but we digress. So the most expensive painting in the world, which is what we were originally talking about, is oh, yes. not a Van Gogh. It is, in fact, Leonardo da Vinci's Salvatore ah, Mundi. And do you know how much that was sold for? Uh, let's go for uh, 600 million. Okay, you've actually overshot it, which is always annoying when you overshoot yeah, these sorry, things. But sorry, it's four hundred and fifty. Uh, okay, like fine. So, I, so actually, it's an excellent guess. <laughs> it's really it annoying when people do excellent guesses. In it's these really games. great that. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? This guy, largely believed to be, I think, um, the Abu Dhabi Sovereign Wealth Fund, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but anyway, they bought this painting, right? It's basically a canvas, and they bought it for 450 million. Leonardo, great artist, undisputed. Painting, looks a bit weird, look it up. Um, The very sort of effeminate version of Jesus. Anyway, I could make a pretty good mock-up of that, uh, print it off, frame it, put it on my wall, and it would cost me 30 quid. Or I could go and get a forger to make a really bloody convincing one where he's, you know, mixing in the hair and the fucking, you know, all the different bits involved, proper forgery, Thomas Crown Affair, great film. And you would be forgiven for mistaking it for the real thing. It would be almost indiscernible from the real one, right? However, that would be worth tops, I don't know, a couple of hundred grand. So what is it about the Da Vinci that makes it worth 450 million? Well, it's, it's an amazing question. I think it's in some sense quite philosophical, the question. Mm-hmm. What, what the role of the artist in creating a work and the knowledge of... It's basically about history, knowing that this canvas was touched by, and mm-hmm. manipulated by one of the great artists of, of human history. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it's basically the story. It's a story that we believe. It's a story that we believe, and I would actually add an even more integral element to it, which I think will come into much more relevance when we talk about NFTs, is people collectively ascribe that value to it, right? And because people collectively think that Leonardo is one of the greatest artists of all time, other people who know nothing about art see him as one of the greatest of all time. And it's this scarcity thing, right? There's only a few of these Leonardos that exist and they come up for sale extremely rarely. And we know that it's Leonardo because it's been verified. It is unique. It was made by him and it is the only one in existence. Now, this is sounding pretty goddamn familiar, right? If we think in the context of NFTs, what a lovely segue. So essentially what the NFT does is it allows the creator to mark their good art or otherwise as unique and official. And if you buy a non-fungible token, which is connected to an artwork, you essentially own the rights to that digital content and that certificate of authenticity. So it's a bit like, you know, if you go and buy a print that's a Hockney print, for example, great artist, he might write, you know, one of 50 in the bottom right-hand corner. And that's basically him saying, look, there's only 50 of these in the world. So bloody hell, you've got one, special you. Mm -hmm. And that then makes it more valuable. 
And that's all that's happening with these NFTs. It's just that it's happening in the digital world. So it enables people to make digital content scarce and scarcity breeds value. So that is the non-fungible token in a nutshell, I would say. I have to say that was a very, very good explanation. And even though I had prepared for this episode by reading many a blog post on NFTs, that has cleared it up more to me because now it makes total sense that much like buying an original Da Vinci or an original Hockney or a print of Hockney, let's say, we can now do the same with digital artwork because we have the technology to ensure that this is basically a one of a kind. Exactly right. And because it's on the blockchain, there's no way that anybody can fake that ownership, right? So the blockchain is decentralized, as we said at the beginning, it means that any changes to it have to be approved by other nodes on the chain. And so if you buy Laszlo's artwork, and he gives you that right, it is there as an immutable transaction on the chain, and nobody else can claim that they actually have that on their account, it's yours. Exactly. So if someone, for example, at my lemonade stand wants to steal the lemonade, you know, then all the other people who have made the lemonade will say, no, mate, I've, yeah, it just doesn't, Not it, sure it, doesn't the lemon it doesn't translate, it, it doesn't yes, work. You, you, to, to the, you're trying to wedge it yeah. in and, uh, oh, wedge. Oh, and, and, oh playful. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get, don't get bitter. No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, when life gives you lemons, um, make a fucking make NFT. NFT, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that, that opens up this whole extremely interesting discussion because, you know, we, ha- we are seeing these crazy articles and someone I know messaged me saying, oh, Ed, you need to do one on NFTs because I saw that the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, uh, weird dude, actually, really weird dude, look him up. Um, he sold an NFT of the first ever tweet for $2.9 million. And everybody was up in arms saying, what the hell's going on? But I can completely understand this because what you're buying there is a piece of internet history, which is not only a piece of internet history, but it's also now a piece of NFT history. And because it's the only one that will ever be sold, it therefore has this weird intrinsic value because yeah. everybody, well, it, it actually doesn't have intrinsic value. It's quite the opposite. It has value because everybody else thinks it has value. It has no intrinsic value. Apologies. But yeah. It's, so, it's, sort, of, it's sort of like buying one of the bricks from the Machu Picchu Citadel. Weird. Exactly. You know, it's, it's this part of human history and human development, but it's in the digital domain, which is exactly. no less no less important or influential. And the Machu Picchu Citadel brick is pretty bloody easy to copy. I mean, I could go out in the garden, get some clay, you know, yeah. knock yeah. one up, um, yeah. but make it, it, it was a bit rusty. Whereas there's no way to forge this I see. Yes, exactly. Because of the the non fungibility and the and the blockchain element of it. Now, do I think that obviously, as a result of this huge hype, there's a whole load of absolute garbage that people are just pumping out and trying to make a quick buck off? Yes, but you have that in the art world as well. People, you know, inflate the prices of art and they mess around and they ascribe value to things and try and pump and dump them. But I guarantee, or I really fundamentally believe that there will be some pieces of digital art that are non-fungible that will increase in value over the future years. Yes, and and you mentioned, you know, how this has obviously led to quite a lot of garbage being spewed out into the digital world. And I found, I came across quite an amusing story about John Cleese, who is, of course, one of the founding members of Monty Python, Mm -hmm. a Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers of Faulty Towers fame, one of, you know, Britain's most famous comics, 
seminal comics in fact although he's gone a bit rogue hasn't he he's 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 left the uk he's got a little bit cranky and he's gone a bit bobby fisher and sorry that is a chess reference uh yeah i was gonna say just ignore me just ignore me yeah but anyway so comic legend john cleese has decided to reinvent himself as an nft artist oh god brilliant so cynical (laughs) it's very cynical he delivers this kind of two-minute presentation where he says Hello, welcome. Uh, I'm going to try and make sure it doesn't sound too much like David Attenborough. There will be overlap <laughs> because, because he's an old white British male. But basically, he poses as this unnamed artist, inverted commas, which is his actual artist name in this NFT world. And he says, art has always been a bridge that connects humans and connects humans to ideas. And for this reason, I have decided to sell my rendering of Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> To the general public um, as a symbol of the role of art. And he's drawn this crappy digital artwork, <laughs> literally in kind of in kind of like, you know, in stencil or whatever, yeah. digital stencil. And it's it's got like these, you know, these cartoon birds, you know, where you just draw two like yeah, circles yeah. and it becomes a bird. Uh, so it's a horrific looking piece of art. And uh, I think people already started bidding on it, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And obviously this was intended purely as a joke, but people still immediately jumped on it because they... yeah. Of course, it's this famous comic who's signed his artwork and is unique. So why not just get in on the action? Um, uh, it's super interesting. And John Cleese, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, he's he's very funny, and I think there's probably an element of cynicism in what he's doing there, and he's probably laughing at, at all of us. But I think that also touches on a, another really interesting point, which it would be remiss of us not to discuss, which is, of course, we are living through a pretty unprecedented time in terms of the amount of money that has been pumped into the system, right? So, again, without wanting to rant and rail like a like a lecturer and get get told off by Laszlo again for being boring um a reminder that for this course you should have foundational competency in (laughs) are you not familiar with the basics of the monetary supply um no so to, to 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 break it down let's break it down break it down the u.s government has printed a lot of money last year because they needed to give away a lot of money in order to stimulate the economy and I don't know if you were aware of this, Laszlo, but 30% of US dollars ever printed. Let me guess, contain 5% cow fat. Oh, no, (laughs) very good. Reference to the new plastic notes that were printed in the UK, of course, which led to uproar in vegan communities that they contain traces of gelatine. But anyway, sorry. Yes, they they contained elements of beef tallow or something. Was it that? Yeah, it wasn't gelatine, yeah. Yeah, some of well, gelatine wouldn't be very nice in a note. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, might good, be a bit good tasty. Grip. Good, good grip. Good grip, that. Yeah. yeah, it's great when these sort of articles come up and they use words like tallow, you know, and then you have to go and Google what tallow is, and some, suddenly everybody's an expert on tallow. I, I liken that to words like furlough, you know, it becomes a real sort Classic. of buzzword for the year. Everyone's like, oh yes, I am on furlough at the moment. Oh, we have furloughed some of our employees. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the new two-pound coin is made entirely of offal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, you didn't actually answer the question. So 30% so, yeah, no, of dollars ever printed were printed last year, which is crazy if you think about it. So the government has basically added 30% of all of the dollars ever over the past year. So if we go back to your 
lemonade lemons example, right? <laughs> Let's imagine you've got 10 chimps in a room and you give them each 10 quid and you've got five lemons. <laughs> Just bear with me. Five lemons, 10 chimps, they've all got a tenner, right? Right, sorry. Five of... lemons, 10 chimps, they've all got a tenner. Got it. Yeah. The price of lemons, you know, probably goes up and down depending on the chimps' preferences. But you can imagine that if you gave the chimps a thousand pounds, then the price of lemons would probably go up. Yeah, because they've got so much money, they don't really care. They're just spaffing it on all these lemons. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right? I think you might have changed currency halfway through that analogy, but I think, do you yeah. start on dollars and make your way to pounds? Sorry. Oh, I mean, the, chi- the on, chimps are bloody me. confused. The, the yeah, chimps, the chimps are, just are thinking, confused. Wait, yeah, they don't. What's, so what's the exchange York? rate? It's 1.4, is it? So that <laughs> <Exactly>. makes it. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was back in that room with the typewriters trying to bang out Shakespeare's bang out works. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just uh, to fill anyway, in our, so... our listeners, that's a, a famous philosophical uh, co- concept or construct whereby if you put an infinite number of chimps in a in a room with an infinite number of typewriters and they were all kind of plodding away, eventually yeah. one of them would write out perfectly the whole works of Shakespeare by the precise definition of what infinity is and what infinite time would, would allow. Yes, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure it's necessarily philosophical, more just about probability, but yes. So, I mean, I mean, without going into it too deeply, I'd, I'd, agree, I'd, I'd strongly suggest that the concept of infinity is, is in fact a philosophical one. All right. Well, we'll 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 leave it for another because, time. But yeah, yeah. essentially, our uh, chimps... calling episode ninety three yeah. infinity. <laughs> we've really we've really run out of platforms, and Ed and I just kind of just locking like ringing horns. that <laughs> ringing that content dry, R- ringing yeah. that infinite towel dry. Yeah. No, but uh, essentially, I have just tried to explain the concept of chimpflation, which is exactly <laughs> what we have seen over the past year. Everyone's got. A lot of money that they've been given by the government and we haven't necessarily seen that trickle through into uh, the price of everyday goods and services which would be the consumer pricing index but i would argue that a lot of this uptick in the value of crazy stuff like non-fungible tokens or uh, cryptocurrencies or certain stocks is connected to the massive increase in money supply well, on that note, Ed, I think it's definitely time to go into another episode of Lazlo's Listicles, the, the num- number one segment on our show. And this week, I thought what we could do is, is actually talk about th- these valuations that you were mentioning and how mm-hmm. much these NFTs are actually going for. So what I've got here is a list of the top 10 most expensive individual NFTs of all time. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't have a precise structure for what I want you to do, but basically, oh, I want you I to mean, try. Oh, I bloody hell, newsflash! You know, surprise me. This, this is the most unstructured kind I think, of inconsistent. I, I think like, I'm I, very as a worried. newsflash as well to our listeners, every week I have to go to Laszlo. Have you got the listicle? And he goes, "Oh shit, I haven't thought about that." <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm quite worried there'll be another hostile takeover next week. Um, <laughs> by, by Ed, so I've got. To, I do have to raise my game, but uh, basically, I want you to tell me the value of the three most expensive NFTs that have currently okay. been sold. Yeah. And also tell me a bit about what you think the actual content is. So mm-hmm. what what is depicted in these digital artworks? Got it. That's your task. Got it. Okay. So I'm actually quite confident about this or quite sort of happy about this because I am I have looked into Here we this. bloody go. Jesus. So I'm quite confident. Yeah. I hope you've got a found it yet. <laughs> Pride comes before a fall, though, of course. Hubris, the great uh, Greek concept, not to be confused with Hamasha, which is a uh, tragic hero's fatal flaw. And perhaps yep. my tragic flaw is my hubris in this instance. Yep. Not to be confused with hummus, which is a... <laughs> 
a chickpea spread. Hubris, hummus. Oh, not to be confused with hamas, which is yeah, uh, yeah another thing entirely. Y- you've got you got roasted red pepper hubris, do you? Yeah. Oh God, don't get me started. I'm actually more of a guacamole man because I am a basic millennial at heart, and I do love my avocado. But mm. maybe there should be some kind of avocado art. Mm. Is that is that one of your guesses? No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in terms of the valuable ones, now I'm pretty sure I might be wrong. Might have been surpassed recently, but I'm pretty sure the number one uh, NFT sold to date was a an artwork by the artist Beeple, which sold for sixty nine million dollars. And it was a mosaic, well, not a mosaic, but a collection of amazing digital, well, amazing beauties in the eye of the beholder. Who am I to say? I think it's quite cool. A collection of digital artworks that he had made every day for the past X years. And then he stapled them all together into this gargantuan mosaic structure. And that was sold by Sotheby's for an astronomical 69 million. So I think that Beeple's, is it called Son of Man or something? No, that's Magritte, isn't it? Anyway, what's it called? And who? Yeah. yeah. So, so you're you're very you're very accurate. Um, I can't give you the point, unfortunately, because it was in fact Christie's that sold the piece of art. Oh, shut like up. <laughs> um, no, it was yeah. You were spot on. I mean, even thank the you by the way, right. Sotheby's for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, sorry, sorry, Christie's that you just mi- just missed out on the sponsorship, despite actually being the auction house that sold this mm. uh, piece of work. So yes, this is indeed it's. The first it's called the first five thousand days by the artist Beeple, who's been created who's been creating digital artwork since two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. So every single day since then, he's been um, making these these online artworks. Bidding started at one hundred dollars, so I'm sure there are a few disappointed people who you know chipped in at the hundred and forty dollar, hundred and sixty dollar <laughs> mark and didn't didn't end up getting it. But yep, it quickly skyrocketed into the millions and sold for sixty nine million dollars. Wow! By the way. The third most expensive ever, ever, uh, yeah, of artwork. all living artists, of all yeah. living artists, most yeah. importantly. So I'm afraid Da Vinci is not um, included. No, but yes, R.I.P. That, it, it, I have to say, it, it looks very, very visually appealing. It it's, looks cool, right? Because I, I read this, and of course, I sort of spat out my tea coffee uh, drink tea uh and i was like okay what does this actual thing look like and they're quite cool i mean the artwork is pretty pretty compelling now the thing that i was wondering though so we've discussed how these are unique and non-fungible and all the benefits of that and the authenticity and the uniqueness however wouldn't it be a bit of a yolo fuck you if beeple just was like yeah let's just sell a few cop let's sell a few more nfts of this for you know one million and i guess that's kind of what banksy does doesn't he because he actually sells multiple prints original prints of his artwork so maybe there is a world where you know these artists again slightly cynically maybe sell multiple copies i imagine with this 69 million one he's probably said look mate you're good i'm not gonna sell any more copies of this but it is interesting yep. as, a, as a concept because he could do that indeed well, I mean, if you continue guessing, you might be surprised at what, what other items oh, appear on okay. this list. So that, that was the only one I was sure of. Um, I know that Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, as we've mentioned, sold his first tweet, which I think said something like, just setting up my Twitter. And I think he sold that for $2.9 million. So I'm guessing that is in the mix. And then the other one I would say is there is a very famous in this community NFT of basically a couple of sort of square um what were pixels basically of a, of a, of a face uh, it's very hard to explain but one of the original nfts sold 
was this character looks a bit like a cartoon character and it's yeah very basic but well, i think that sold for a lot don't know how much mm-hmm. well there's a couple of faces here i don't think any of the faces that you uh describe now it's not a pixelated face it's like green um, no green faces i'm afraid oh, no right. green faces okay. so by the way beeple appears twice more on this list wow so beeple has sold two other works one called crossroads which he sold earlier this year for 6.6 million Jesus. you know i mean god that guy he must be loaded and then another one which he sold for seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars seven hundred and seventy seven thousand point seven seven called nifty gateway which is a very weird kind of gothic art it features a skeleton mm. sort of with this weird triangle behind it anyway uh so yeah people did feature but Jack Dorsey's tweet is not in here, and I think that's because it's not technically artwork. It's it's well, what is art, of course? Exactly. Is it an artifact or is it art? Mm. You know, is it a is it a kind of ancient Chinese pot or is it a a beautiful Chinese painting? Or is it a urinal, which was you remember that famous urinal that was considered to be a piece of art in the early 1900s, which there was a huge uproar about. Didn't know. Didn't know right, about okay. that. Okay, well, that was a big in the in the in the modern art world uh, when people were discussing this very question in the early 1900s. Somebody just did a urinal and was like, "Yeah, there's there's a piece of art." It's a bit like Tracy Emin, who did just put a bed in a tent, didn't she? And everyone was like, "Come on, mate, is that art?" Damien Hirst chopping up a cow. Yeah, we're at the next frontier. Yeah. Is a couple of pixels knocking about on a screen that conveys some information that's connected to the founding of a brilliant company. Is that art? Yeah. I would argue yeah. maybe yes. Well, and that brings me to, so, you know, in this episode of Lazarus Sisticles, I think you've already won it because you gave a very, very eerily accurate answer to the, the most valuable one. But I just want to talk about probably the most ridiculous NFT on this list, which sold for $561,000. Is it a Crypto Kitty? Oh, describe crypt, Crypto Kitty. Well, so Crypto Kitties was the first instance of non-fungible tokens really reaching the mainstream. I say the mainstream, <laughs> still very much reserved to the dork stream where I inhabit. Um, and in 2017, they released a game where you could buy and trade crypto kittens that were unique cats. Of course, it's cats. It was never going to be dogs, was it? It's always going to be cats. But it's Crypto Kitties and you had your unique kitty. You could customize it however you wanted. And it was you knew that it was only that one that existed on the blockchain. And so I was wondering whether a Crypto Kitty was on this list of most expensive <laughs> NFTs as one of the originals. Whiskers, well, well the reason, yeah, it's a good shout. I mean, the reason I doubled took is because you said kitty, but the more you described, I think it's not the same thing. But this artwork is by Chris Torres. It's called Nyan Cat, which I, I don't know if people are familiar with. It's this made up animal, basically, which is a a, a pop tart yes flying through space i know the one with the, yeah yeah with the with the head of a cat yeah trailed by a streaming rainbow i think yeah people who people will have seen this because of the fact that on a shared google doc or a shared google spreadsheet you can uh, you're allocated sometimes an anonymous animal so you can yes. have like you know on an anonymous tapir or anonymous moose whatever and sometimes you get an anonymous nyan cat which is Mm -hmm. this kind of fictional animal and it literally is just this piece of art is literally just a nyan cat flying through this blue background with some very basic uh animated like cartoon stars in the background Mm. it's just it's just remarkable it sold for five hundred sixty-one thousand dollars, which was 300 ether so in a set in essence here what you got is people trading these 300 virtual coins which yeah. are worth a lot in real human money yeah for this for this 
virtual artwork. It's amazing. It's, it's, I love it's it. It's a real surreal. It's a I just surreal love it. Situation. 2021 yeah. is just keeps on giving. And I think, you know, without wanting to dive too much into the realms of philosophy and the cultural zeitgeist and how people are feeling at the moment, I think there's definitely a Gen Z cynicism and general kind of, I don't know, feeling of disenfranchisement that leads to these YOLO crazy decisions where people will just like put all of their life money on the line to wing it into Dogecoin because why not? And there's a real kind of irony and cynicism that's linked in with all of this that's just absolutely fascinating. You know, Elon Musk has talked a lot about Dogecoin, which is a a rival to Bitcoin. And yeah. Dogecoin. Can I just say that Elon, Elon Musk is, is a man who's single-handedly responsible for the fluctuation of basically every cryptocurrency or online stock these days, based but on he, his and, tweet. And for context, Dogecoin, if anyone's not familiar, was founded as a joke. So it was set up as a joke cryptocurrency to just point out how silly they are. And the, the main mascot of this currency is a dog, um, a doge. And... Elon Musk and various others decided that this should become a preeminent cryptocurrency and therefore started hyping it up. And when asked about why, he said that fate loves irony and the currency that was designed as a joke should actually become the predominant internet currency to rival countries' currencies. And so there is this cynicism and kind of yeah, postmodern weird vibe to all of it which i find fascinating and maybe we will end up in a world where we just trade dogecoin it is interesting that you know you look at countries and now i'm going on a rant but you look at countries like venezuela where the currency is extremely unstable they are actually flocking to cryptocurrencies to put all of their savings into them because those currencies are stable and not subject to hyperinflation and massive price fluctuations so who knows where we go all i can say is that i am hodling my bitcoin and i am very (laughs) optimistic about the future of nfts and if i had the money i would have tried to buy maybe one of people's five thousand days would have been within my budget or actually it just wouldn't doing the maths but yeah interesting Anyway, we digress. That, unfortunately, is all that we have time for this week. We hope you enjoyed. And as ever, please do give us a download on Spotify, a like and a rating and a subscription on Apple Music. And if you like, you can head on over to our Instagram account, Insta, where we can be found at earth underscore calling underscore pods to get all of the latest updates, content. And if you want to get in touch, do feel free to reach out. Well, Earthcallers, thanks as always for tuning in this week. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Please do join us next week when we will segue into an entirely different domain and one that concerns the human language in this digital age. Mm, Sounds pretty niche. (laughs) Not not at all. Uh, All we require of you is to stick out your tongues, staple some hearts onto your eyes, and join us as we get to grips with the lol-tastic world of emoji. Oh, winky face. Winky face. But for now, it's been great to have you. Earth out. Rocket emoji. Rocket emoji.